I'm from ceiling to floor even better than before, down for Lazo. And I'm a messy situation, Caitlin Kay. And this is Welcome, Welcome to, to the, the jingle. jingle, the podcast that takes a jingle-sized dive into the fascinating world of classic TV and radio jingles. And today is no exception because we are talking about professional fire restoration. And as it is our season one finale... Yeah, how crazy is it that we have gotten through an entire season of this? This silly little show that we dreamed up uh, one day during the pandemic after you were inspired by yeah. a podcast, right? I was inspired by the Rotolo's podcast, but as they say in Rent, it's been a season of love. And I've truly enjoyed all of these these little local earworm friends that we've been revisiting. But uh, for this our season finale we do have a special treat we do indeed and and before we even get into what that special treat is i want to say how arbitrary it is that we have decided that season one is just 10 episodes long um and you know because we could have just easily just kept on going with season one forever so i'm pretty proud that we uh we've taken this step to just proudly state that this is the end of season one but we will be back for season two by popular demand just to bookend a nice uh nice two numbers 10 we'll come back again and that way when season two is amazing we can tell people oh just start at like season one episode five on this does give us like a certain level of street cred right that like we lasted multiple seasons or we will have ideally there's many shows that cannot say something similar yeah like oh yeah that show was pretty good but it only lasted one season Mm -hmm. no 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 we're like we're legit multiple seasons mm-hmm. we were renewed if you will, if you will. uh self-renewed yeah. just as just as we were self uh produced and self-greenlit in the yeah. first place um but yeah so this is cool we have a special guest uh his name is john schaefer and he is uh the founder and uh continues to run schaefer media and marketing based in albany new york um john came to our attention uh, when we were trying to track down another jingle uh, through a mutual acquaintance who said, hey, I think maybe Schaefer Marketing uh, had something to do with that. If not, they're at least going to know how to point you in the right direction. So we reached out. John was very polite, gave me a call back. Turned out uh, he didn't quite have a lead, although he's given us some information about how to find uh, this particular jingle, which is going to be in season two if we ever do track it down. But, um, but John said, hey, if you ever want uh, an industry professional to come on the show, I'd be happy to talk with you and, and give you an idea of the overall process, which is great because we've been really spitballing in general. Uh, you know, we don't really know how all this works, right, mm-hmm. Caitlin? Yeah, they just they show up in our ears. Uh, but yeah, John has decades of experience, and he was really fascinating, interesting to interview, um, and had had a lot of great insights not only about the jingle that we're going to play today, but about yes, the entire process of what it was like to um to produce produce jingles for these great local clients yeah indeed now let's talk about the jingle that we are going to discuss and actually we'll start by talking about the advertiser it's professional fire restoration Uh, they're based in here in the capital region Uh, i think their offices are in albany um, been around a long time. Uh, I couldn't find much in, in terms of history for this advertiser, but their website does state that they started in 1968 when the owner, David Johnson, who goes by DJ, um, founded this company uh, as an upholstery 
restoration company. Um, so, you know, I imagine you, you had a ripped couch or, or your vinyl seats in your, mm-hmm. in your uh, 68 Mustang were, were damaged. You know, DJ was the guy to call. Well, now they've since expanded to all the traditional fire restoration services that one might expect. Like um, if you have a fire, uh, there's smoke damage, there's damage from the fire itself, uh, water damage, um, mold remediation, uh, packouts where they literally take out all of your stuff from the damaged house and clean it up. I mean, th- these are all the different services that a restoration company has to perform. I'm somewhat familiar with those services because I, you know, my day job is working in the insurance field. Um, they do it all, and they're one of the big ones in the area, uh, thanks in large part to the uh, longevity and success of this jingle. Indeed. Um, I had I'd done some research on, on Reddit and was looking up Albany jingles. Just cause, well, I've always got my ear to the ground in terms of jingles. And uh, the, the, people, the people like professional fire restoration. It came up in multiple surveys. Yeah, and, and it, it came to our attention not just because you know, we've heard it before, but John mentioned that his company you know, represents them um, and, and had a major hand in, in creating this ad campaign, uh, which, again, is, is stood the test of time for them. Um, I think he even mentions in the interview, which you're about to hear, that it, it came to be around, what, the late 2000s, so like 2008 or nine, mm-hmm. or maybe even 2010. Um, and so, you know, it's not the oldest jingle we've looked at. In fact, it's one of the more recent. And yet it really has continued to be, uh, you know, um, put out there on the air and, and in the public limelight. Um, it's a good jingle. It's really good. And we're going to play it for you. I think our plan is we're going to play it for you right now. Mm-hmm just so you know what we're talking about. Then we'll go right in with, uh, with the interview that we just completed with John. Um, you'll hear all about a little bit of the magic behind creating a jingle, and, and you'll hear about John's story. John, of course, um, you know, starting in the industry in, in the uh, mid to late 1980s down in Poughkeepsie where he started off as a DJ, and he'll tell you his story a little bit, but he eventually comes mm-hmm. to the Albany area ends up working, uh, you know, for Fly 92 and uh, Time Warner Cable, Spectrum, uh, you know, uh, in media sales as well. And then he goes into business for himself in 2005, and and he's still at it, you know, after all these years working with, really, we looked at the client list, Caitlin, it's it's some of the biggest and, and most um, well-advertised and well-branded companies in our area. So he, he's a cool one to listen to. Indeed. Um, if you... If you need a jingle, and you probably do, give John Schaefer a call. All right. Well, without further ado, let's go ahead and play Professional Fire Restoration Jingle. Uh, it's a 30-second jingle, and, uh, and then we'll go right into our interview with John. So here we go. Black smoke, rage and fire, flood waters rising higher and higher. And when it's over, well, what then? All right, we are joined here by John Schaefer of Schaefer Media and Marketing. John, thank you so much for joining us today for the podcast. My pleasure. So, John, we were looking over uh, a little bit of the history about um, not just for professional uh, fire restoration, but also Schaefer Media and Marketing. And um, I wanted to give you an opportunity to kind of give us your story before we, we really get into um, you know, how your company came to develop and put out this, uh, this really impressive jingle. 
Well, you, you know, my career started uh, decades and decades ago when I wanted to be uh, an on-air personality and uh, realized I was not going to be Howard Stern or Dynamis in the, the late 80s um, and got into the ad sales thing. Um, so I've always had a love of music and the importance of music in uh, commercials and everything in general. And that kind of carried me on. I went through a media sales career until 2005. And since then, I've been out on my own working with uh, individual clients throughout the area and uh, a little bit beyond. And it's been a lot of fun. I have to say, uh, I'm, I was, and I'm sure Caitlin was as well, we were both really impressed when we look on Schaefer's website and, you know, we see the clients that, that you advertise, you know, that you represent, because those are seemingly the, the bulk of the, you know, companies that advertise heavily in our area. So, you know, it's not like, oh, yeah, we represent, you know, a couple of mom and pop shops here and there. It's like, these are the, you know, the, the big hitters in this area. How do you, you know, grow to this level, starting off as a radio DJ in Poughkeepsie, New York, and, and you know, making your way all the way to where you are today? Well, you know what? It just takes time. It takes relationships. And you know that being in your industry all these years, it's it's all about relationships. And I've been incredibly blessed, Don, to be able to work with some uh, great local entrepreneurs who wanted to do more with their business than just be the, the local wine and liquor store. And not that there's anything wrong with that or the local plumbing and heating contractor. They wanted something more. So those kind of folks uh, I've worked incredibly well with over the years, and, and they've given me enough rope where I'm able to make an impact. That's great. Um, can you tell us a little bit about your team, you know, who you have working with you at Schaefer Media? Well, the team now, you're looking at the team. At the, the, before the pandemic started, I, I realized you know, uh, the way things were changing, and I was doing a lot more Zoom meetings at that point, even before the, the pandemic started, because I had joined... Uh, the local uh, chapter of the Entrepreneurs Organization, which is a global organization, which includes folks from everywhere. I met some incredibly talented people. And, and I started to realize after going to a seminar about two or three years ago that, hey, you know what? Uh, I can work with all these folks that I work with and sub out a lot of things. So it's made life a little bit more interesting, a lot more flexible for me as I've gotten a little bit uh, uh, long in the tooth, as they say. So <clears throat> it's made for a more interesting environment for me. That's great. Well, you're, you're a one-man show with a lot of resources, and I'm sure your clients really appreciate having those resources at their disposal when they work with you. Well, you know, it's just knowing the lay of the land and knowing the things that work and don't work. And, you know, this whole time, uh, the last 18, 19 months, whatever it has been at this point, has been really eye-opening for me, and I think for a lot of folks in media, is the environment is drastically shifted under everybody's feet. Um, you, you look around, the, the way you did things two years ago is not the way you do it now. You, you had to shift and you had to pivot to a different place just because of the, this whole digital revolution. As I like to say, <clears throat> there's a, a Ernest Hemingway quote from uh, the book, The Sun Also Rises. It, it, it refers to how you go bankrupt. And you go bankrupt gradually and then suddenly, and all of a sudden you're, oh, holy crap, I'm bankrupt. Um, but that's the way life works in general. Things have happened over the last 15 or 20 years. First, it hit the newspapers where people were going online, they're getting their news, whether it was from whatever your source was online. And then that kind of shifted. You started to, people evolved out of like iPods and satellite radio was bubbling up. 
Um, and then you start to have the Spotify's, the Pandora's. Now you've got about five different platforms for podcasts, which is what you're doing here tonight. Um, and the same thing is happening on TV. And TV was the bit of a shock in how it transpired here, because now you've got all these apps and it started with Netflix and people were, you know, Netflix and chill and uh, grab yourself a thing of popcorn and, and watch a movie whenever you wanted. But now it's, you know, you have Disney, you have Hulu, you have Amazon, you have all these players in this field and it just spread it all out in terms of how people view television. Um, and it's been a remarkable change here in the last 18 months. Yeah, I, I know the pandemic has really, you know, changed a lot of different industries and it, it's changing the way people are advertising too. Um, I don't want to hog the microphone here and Caitlin knows that I, I've been known to do that. But before <laughs> we turn it over and give Caitlin a chance to ask some questions about the jingle that we're you know, here to discuss today, I, I wonder if you might speak to um, a little bit more about the evolution of media and how, you know, you've seen the history of the jingle kind of progress from uh, maybe, you know, it's humble beginnings to its heyday and now, you know, where it fits into the landscape of, of advertising. Well, I, I, you know, from a local perspective, I think jingles have never really gone away. Um, they kind of went out of favor on a, a more national level. A lot of the national companies moved away. They started to realize they could pay an artist for their song and have the who or have uh, the Beatles uh, song in their commercials where, you know, locally, you're not going to have that option. I mean, I've looked into it before and I've looked into buying songs and to use a song in this market, you're probably talking anywhere from $25,000 to $75,000. And that's if the artist says, yes, I'll, I'll do it. Um, so from a, a standpoint of how jingles have evolved, I think what a jingle does for a local regional business is give you uh, emotion, you know, tangible emotion that you you're not going to get easily. And it's more expensive to create something where you're going to get more emotion. So the song can give you that feeling, give you that, that, that vibe of what's going on. And from there, you, you can insert your copy and, and have your promotional points and do all the various things you need to do as a local business. But the song gives you that emotional, it gives you that tie, which is different from just a flat music bed or a straight voiceover. Understandable. Well, why don't we get into the uh, talking about, um, you know, the jingle at hand here, professional fire restoration and and maybe, you know, uh, your process. Uh, Caitlin, what do you think? Definitely. Um, I we love the jingle. First of all, we've been singing Black Smoke, Raging Fire for the <laughs> last 15 minutes since we came on mic. Um, I was wondering if you could explain it through the process of the uh, professional fire restoration jingle what the creative process is like when, when you are creating a jingle, if the, how involved the client is in terms of musical style and lyrics, how much you have to drive and how much they come in knowing what they want. I'm going to take a step back from that question, Caitlin, because I, I want to give you a little bit of context and how this whole process works and how I got involved in this particular uh, process with jingles. And I'll take you back to 1992 when I just had gotten into radio sales and I was working in Poughkeepsie, New York. I was working for an AM and an FM combo down there. And our sales manager, a gentleman by the name of Ken Harris, love him, was one of the best people I've ever worked for. Um, he said, uh, I'm going to bring this company in 
and we're going to we're going to have a sales incentive and uh, they're a company that does custom musical images and I looked at him and go what is a custom musical image and he says a jingle oh all right so we had a small sales office in the back of the building and we'd have mice that would die in the heater in the vent all the time so it would stink to high heaven every <laughs> so often so we had four or five desks back there and a gentleman by the name of Paul Leeson came in to see us one day to talk to the sales staff to get us on board with this process. So Paul comes in and he goes through and he's playing these examples. And I'm the guy who sits in the back of the room and I'm, I'm a hard read even when you're two feet away from me. But if I'm in the back of the room, I mean, an even worse read for people. So I just was taking it all in, taking all these, here's, here's how it goes, uh, talking about uh, cigarette advertising. Does anybody know uh, what Winston tastes like? Does Winston taste good like a cigarette should, which was, you know, 1969 jingle um, before they were not allowed to go on the air. And we went through all these examples and he started to play some and going, oh, these are pretty good. There's, obviously, this company's got some skills. And then he played one at the end. He goes, this one is very important to me. And this is something we created for Big Brothers, Big Sisters. I was like, oh, and I heard the song and I'm like, Holy crap. So I walked out of that meeting and uh, Ken said to me, he goes, what'd you think? I said, well, first of all, I'm running over to big brothers and big sisters now, and I'm going to go sign up because I was just sold on the whole process there because I was so emotionally invested in it. And two, I said, when is he coming to town to bring clients to? Cause we would have these meetings. We rented, uh, I think it was the Poughkeepsie grand hotel at that time, had a suite up there and we invited clients. So what happened was, I wound up inviting the most people to come in and hear this pitch for the, the music. I think out of the, we had about 25 appointments, 12 of them were mine. And at those meetings, we closed seven of them. So we had seven of my clients. I was like, holy crap, what the hell just happened? So it, the, that takes us to the process that you're asking about, Caitlin where the client gets involved. And, and what happens is this, and I'll speak specifically to Professional Fire. So uh, DJ, who's the owner of Professional Fire, I said to him, here's what I'm thinking. I think we need, and you tell me if this is how it came off. I want something that sounds like Bob Seger or Bruce Springsteen. Yeah, Without absolutely. being a total ripoff. Yeah, yeah, that's, that sounds great. Now, what are we going to say? So I was working with the, and I didn't write the music and I didn't write all the lyrics. I wrote the first part of the lyrics because what I wanted was in professional fire is a unique instance where it's a company where you can get into some of the emotion of what's going on. Cause if your house burns down or you got a flood, that's some, you know, tough stuff. So I wanted to start, I said, look, I want this like kind of a, you know, black smoke, raging fire, floodwaters rising higher and higher. And he go, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he, the writer took it from there and did all the, the rest of the, the jingle stuff. And it turned out to be something that it, it amazes me to this day because DJ would sponsor uh, Siena Basketball down at the Times Union Center or what was the Times Union Center. And the song would come on and I would hear a third of the place singing along with the damn song. <laughs> and you go, that's when you know you have something more than just a commercial. And it's, it's breaking down that, that layer. So that whole process is starting off, you know, what are we going to do lyrically? What is it going to sound like? And then from there, you know, we'd go through and it would be created. The uh, 
performer would record it on piano and sing it and go, this is kind of what it's going to sound like. And he did it for us over the phone because he was down in Nashville and DJ goes, yeah, that's it. That's it. And got it back. Not one change to it that, that needed to be made. It was just for perfect. Wow. So you guys outsource all the way down to Nashville for this one. Is that common to, to go to a, a musical Mecca like that? Uh, well, you know, it's funny. The, the writer that I kind of grew attached to over the years uh, is down there. So he does a lot of stuff. And it just, again, in today's day and age, you really don't, I got a zoom, I got a camera, I got a phone, whatever it is. It's, it's, it's an easy process. And he's got access to more talent down there than I'm going to find here for unfortunately. So you can get that Bob Seger sound alike uh, or Springsteen sound alike if you need it. Right. We actually, uh, a few years ago, this is probably seven or eight years ago, um, we had one produced for uh, Funplex out in East Greenbush. I used to and work for Funplex as a kid. Did you? <laughs> Absolutely. Well, one of my first jobs. We came through and we were, here's what we want to do. It's kind of like this B-52's Love Shack thing. And, and what came back was, it was really close to um, an out-and-out ripoff. It was borderline. So never got in trouble for that. Did you have to send that one back or did that one make air? That one made air. Oh. I don't know. I wasn't involved. I think the first year I was involved and after that, I was not involved with them anymore. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I mean, you just have to imagine and, and you know, you're a musician, aren't you? Indeed. Yeah. We yeah. So you, yeah. So, you know, when somebody says, Hey, this is going to sound like love shack what you're going to kind of get, or it's going to Springsteen-y. It's going to be a little bit raw. It's going to be a little bit, um, you know, rough around the edges. That's great. That sounds like it was a fairly seamless process from the, um, the creative concept to what finally came back. Can you think of any times when uh, you had to give substantial notes or what you presented to the client during the first round was not what they expected and how you handle sort of differences in creative opinion, or maybe you've been lucky enough to never happen. Um, you know, it's happened a couple of times over the years where there was a little bit of a disconnect between what we were talking about and what somebody was expecting. Um, but every time it kind of got resolved and never in a, a, a bad way or having the can the whole thing. So um, now, John, backing up to when you were discussing um, picking the kind of style of music that professional fire and restoration was going to use, how did you kind of settle on like the the Seeger Springsteen vibe that you were going for? Um, You know, and also how old is this jingle? Because we're not sure when, how long ago are we talking? This is probably 11 years ago now, 12 years ago. Okay. Maybe a little bit longer. Roughly like late 2000s. You know, yeah. 2008, 9, 10. Um, yeah. Back then, I mean, you know, Seeger and, and uh, Springsteen, you know, were not all over top 40 radio. So you guys still made a conscious choice to pick something that was kind of throwbackish at that point at that time, right? Is there anything that goes into picking the genre and picking the feel? Or is it really advertiser preference? Or is it really just coming from, you know, from your own head? Well, there was definitely advertiser pre- uh, preference in this. Um, there was also my preference, which is, and then the, the third part of it was, um, we're looking for a certain age group. So the older 35 
plus crowd is going to know Springsteen Seagrish. You know, it was at that point, it wasn't like we were trying to reach 18 year olds. We, we sure. would never have done that. That's a good point. You know, when we think about, you know, the jingles that we profiled so far in this show, um, a lot of them are for like family attractions and, and you know, kitty parks and stuff like Hoffman Playland, Hoffman's Playland. And looking back, those were more geared towards the younger kids. So maybe it was, you know, a little more focused on what was popular at the time or what we perceived to be popular at the time versus right. this is going after a more mature age group. Um, similar to like when we, we profiled the Foxwoods jingle recently, and that is very throwbackish and they're going after people with some, you know, expendable income. I think uh, it makes sense, you know, that you would, you would aim for that. So that, that stands to reason. Yeah. I mean, it, it's an important part of it. You have to think it through, but I mean, essentially at the end of the day is one or what kind of emotional connection are you going to make? You know, because that that really is the biggest thing, what kind of feelings you're going to get. So if you're talking about Hoffman's Playland from 30 years ago, there's an emotional connection that's happened there. So that kind of sticks with you. And, you know, also the the context of the times and, and where we're at and how we create memorability, which is the other factor of this, is what is it going to be memorable? Is it going to be sticky? Sure. Um, I'm kind of curious um, about overall costs when it comes to developing something like this. And, you know, is it, is it something that kind of surprises clients when they come to you and they say, Hey, I'd love to have a jingle full 30 second or a full one minute version of my jingle, you know, putting aside the cost of getting it on the air, you know, are they often shocked by the, the sticker price of, of using your services to develop it properly and get something that truly is radio ready? You know, I think the cost is, is not as much as people think when they, when they hear the process and what, and what goes into it and how it works. And um, I, it's been a long time since I've had somebody say, well, boy, that's really expensive. Um, Can you give us a range, like, you know, what, what a typical 30-second full jingle would cost to produce? Um, you know, you can, it, on, you can start on the, the bottom end where you have, there, there's companies out there that, that will produce jingles that, that are not customized, which will be probably in about the $2,000, $2,500 range. And then you start to get into, you know, the neighborhood that I tend to work in is that five to $7,500 range. Some wind up being more. I think as I think about it now, because you were asking about the uh, Times Union jingle, I think that one was that was done at Cotton Hill Studios in Albany. Mm. Yep. And I think that one was much more, if I recall, because I remember somebody who worked on it. I can't think of who it was at the moment, but I remember they had, you know, full band in there and everything else. And they did a whole thing. And I, I want to say that, you know, productions like that are going to be in the ten to $20,000 range. So, you have to rack your brain on that one because uh, that, I believe, was the reason why you know we got in touch with you. We're trying to track down a recording of that jingle so we can profile it. <laughs> well, you know, Don, I'm getting older and the connections don't work so good anymore. <laughs> well, we're we're getting some out of you. And then before we move on to more questions, uh, you know, from Caitlin about you know this jingle in particular, I want to jump back to you know when you were discussing that meeting that you had, that very influential meeting in your career. Um, the production company that came in was, remind me again, was it Coast to Coast Productions? Coast to Coast Productions, yeah. And as you will recall from listening to the Hoffman's Playland uh, episode, they produced the Hoffman's Playland jingle. So that's, you know, you know, a little bit of a small world situation there where there we were profiling this jingle by this seemingly epic company who, do we know, are they still in existence? They have a Facebook They're page. still in existence. Okay. Yeah. Yep. So, and there they, you know, they were a major influence on your career and 
um, you know, they have ties locally to, you know, to some of the big hitters out here as well, which is pretty impressive. Yeah, I think you'd be surprised. I don't know. It's hard for me to keep track of everything anymore, but uh, um, there's a lot of songs that were done around here. Some of them uh, were still used, you know, businesses change hands and, and move on from it. And, um, but geez, a lot of stuff. Absolutely. So my first, uh, and I'll, I'll tell you this, this process that happened. So I'll go back to the, the, the radio days. So coast to coast would come to town and we'd have to set up these meetings. We'd be in the hotel room and here's the deal. You sit on the couch next to the client and we'll give the presentation. You know, you nod along if they interact with you and, you know, obviously interact, but we're going to get to the point. We're going to say, okay, here's how much it costs. What do you think? And then strict instructions. I'll never forget Paul telling me this from coast to coast, which was whatever you do, don't say anything. And I remember there was a business in Hyde Park. It was a vacuum cleaning repair company that I had brought into one of these meetings. And his name was Stu. And I'll never forget because it was the most uncomfortable thing I've ever experienced in my life. So we go, Paul goes through the meeting, Stu, what do you think? And I'm sitting there going, Mm hmm. Not saying a thing. I'm staring at the, the trying to stare at the, the emergency sprinkler on the ceiling because I don't want to get involved because at this point, Stu is sitting in the chair and I is this going to be on video? Or is this going to be audio? Oh, for this? this we'll yeah, just do audio. Yeah. So uh, then I'll have to explain a little bit more. But he's Stu is squirming and shifting and he's so uncomfortable. He's like it, all this pressure is being built on top of him by nobody saying anything. And I'd never seen this happen before because I was still moderately young at that point. And, and he's shifting and squirming and staring and he's, he's trying to get my attention and I won't look at him because I'm just, I'd start laughing. He finally said, okay, I'll do it. I'll do it. Where do I sign? Where do I sign? So he wow. wound up, he wound up signing and, and he did it and he was, and he used it on the air. I think I stayed another year down there and moved up here. That's so. impressive. So I can see why they want to use that uh, sales technique to close the sale, you know, give it a long pregnant pause and, and let the, uh, the client be the one to say, I think it's a great idea or, or that's too rich for my blood. <laughs> right. And I'll never forget that. I will never forget that meeting for the day I die. Cause everybody at that point, you want to, you want kind of want to let them off the hook a little bit. You want to, mm -hmm. but it was an interesting process. And then we went through, I went through that a lot that week. I must've been in 14, 15 hours of those meetings that week. And some of them were really good and other ones weren't. And, but the, the process always worked out where, you know, people got a great product and if they committed to using it, and, and that's the other key to this. And everybody asks me all the time, well, how am I going to know if this is going to work? I said, well, this is, it works over time. And how much money do you have? That That's it. There's not a whole lot of magic going into this. So if you got a big bag of money under your desk, you want to plan to to spend and keep it out there because you want to build up that that reach in the market and the frequency because you want people to hear, you know, if you just heard the professional fire song once, it's going to be catchy, but it's not going to stick with you. What sticks with you is committing to get out in the market with frequency. Excellent point. Very true. Um, all right. What else we have? Is there a jingle that you wish you wrote or you wish you did that you heard and have thought, wow, that's good. 
<laughs> you know, it's funny because I'm a, I'm a New York Jets fan and New York Mets fan and yeah, Jets and I think Giants games too is uh, PC Richard mm-hmm. um, is a sponsor. And then PC Richard doesn't, they may have used the jingle at some point, but what they wound up using is just the, it's the whistling uh, at PC Richard, just, but it's whistled and they play it at every first down that the Jets would make like brilliant because it's just an audio cue as far as jingles you know the one that uh, got me as a kid and i wish i had written it would have been the the mcdonald's big mac jingle back in the day because that one was uh the two whole beef patty special sauce lettuce cheese pickles onions on a sesame seed bun i'm 56 years old and i haven't heard that on the air and for probably 45 years so it's that kind of stuff that sticks with you where you can spit it out after all this time hopefully some point Somebody will spit out to me uh, the Chris Foley Brothers jingle or professional fire jingle some point down the road or SNS appliance. I would love to hear somebody spit out SNS appliance after all these years. It's the, it's the red carpet treatment you won't get from the others. Exactly. Chris Foley Brothers. <laughs> I, I worked for a creative agency that did their new uh, logo refresh a couple yep. years ago. So we, we had a day in the office where we just like watched and listened to every single ad we could get our hands on at the time. So I heard a lot of that uh, Chris Foley opera singer lady. Well, um, it was funny when that one was coming, when you, that, that originally came down, when that logo was being done, Andrea Chris Foley had said to me, what do you think? And I'm not a logo guy. Logos are extremely personal. Logos and websites I run from because that's just not uh, something I like to get involved with because that's where everybody starts to think that they're very creative and know everything. So it's like, Oh, that's bad. But I said to her, I go, you know what? We're singing red carpet. We need a carpet. The C and the B need to be flowing. And I think that what spiral design did that. So they did a great job with it and capturing that and moving it along. I believe um, in one of our initial presentations, I no longer work there, that, uh, that the swirl of the C and the B was also meant to evoke the free-flowing exchange of air, heat, cooling, and water. Who said that? Holy Brothers, I probably did. Because um, <laughs> I was in charge of pitching. <laughs> Sounds like you really remember the pitch. <laughs> it was great. Uh, the flowing through the heat and the comfort systems that Chris and Foley Brothers uh, <laughs> provides. But yes, that is, that's a very good jingle. Yeah. You know, it's just, it's stuff to, it's an earworm, you know, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of good jingles and there, there are other jingles and I've worked with them over the years and in different capacities where they're not easy to work with after the fact, after they're produced, which is trying to create something around them. Um, there was a company that would come to town. Uh, I think it was access jingles. I think the, the, the couple of the TV stations brought them to town. And I know when they first started, they, Exit nine wine and liquor warehouse had gotten one probably in 2005. And it was like, it's fine at exit nine wine and liquor warehouse. So I was like, I tried working with, them. I was like, I can't work with this. The, and what does it's fine mean? Is it okay? Fine is like, I never liked it. I said, can we get rid of it? Yeah, whatever you want. So we went to drums at that point and have been with drums for the last 15 years and no singing. Did, did they even, do they use the tag at the end anymore? Just that little, it's no. fine at exit nine or it's not even, it's, all, it's no. just wiped from the. 
Uh, it's still around. I still have the CD with the uh, the original jingle on it, but I uh, prefer not to let it out, see the light of day. Now, now, John, do you ever run into, I mean, uh, everybody, you know, is, is obviously promoting their own business, but do you ever run into any like amateur musicians who have like a really good idea? And I'm putting, you know, uh, quotes around the word good, but a really good idea of like, hey, this is what I want it to sound like, or they want to be maybe a little more involved than, than a typical client would be because they're an amateur musician on the side and they, they try to pitch uh, and, and be involved in the process of creating the jingle. I, you know what? I have never experienced that, but I could see where that would be uh, probably be a challenge. Yeah, I can imagine as well. Um, because I, uh, everybody's got to create, everybody can, everybody's creative. Mm-hmm. Um, it's how you can execute that creativity and bring it to a point of existence. So, you know, me playing around with my guitar and just coming up with a basic idea or something, that's one thing, but following it through and bringing in the players and orchestrating the singers, you know, that's not going to be me. Um, And I don't, I'm probably the one in the wheelhouse that would have those conversations and be irritating to the final producer. So. Sure. Yeah. If you're musical at all and you're pitching ideas and bringing in, you know, your guitar and stuff, I can see where, you know, your contributions would be helpful, but they could also get in the way, you know, when that national right. songwriter, you know, wants to go in a different direction. That, that maybe What do you think of a lot. B flat here? Well, maybe it should be. <laughs> That's funny. Um, what else do we have, Caitlin? Any other burning questions since we have, you know, an industry master on the line with us today? I'm trying to think. Um... Is there any any professional opportunity for somebody in this area to f- write jingles, either or, the the words or music? How does how does one get into the biz? Yeah, or do you have you probably have to move to Nashville? It sounds like <laughs> it. You know, I don't even know if you have to do that nowadays. I mean, we're having this conversation you know, 40 minutes apart. So it's not uh, something that can't be done where you can produce something and do something just like the, the folks in Nashville have done for me. So um, it's just a matter of finding the right people and, and putting together a plan to make it work. Does that? Yeah, it sounds like a lot of fun. So it sounds like maybe we should start writing jingles on spec. <laughs> just Don and I and then shopping them around. Yeah, why not? Businesses. <laughs> I've written a spec jingle before. <laughs> I've also maybe written. <laughs> but did you give it to the producer or the uh, advertiser? No, nobody heard them ever. See, that's the difference. I, gave, I wrote a spec jingle for the Albany River Rats because I was a big hockey fan. Sure. I said it their way. It was very campy, but uh, I loved the heck out of it. Um, I know they were aware of it. We'll leave it at that. <laughs> a long time ago, but a lot of fun. I feel like there is an element of campiness to jingles just inherently without without meaning to offend would you agree that just a jingle at its essence is kind of a little bit a little bit campy like the good ones are um the good ones walk the line the bad ones i think go over to full camp mode i i think you did you do a show on water slide world you did yeah (laughs) yeah that's a horrible jingle but it's it's, (laughs) but it's memorable yeah, you know it's well, a, and it's just it. tell, tell us why it's terrible. It was played for what forty years, fifty years, whatever the the amount of time it was. It really wasn't a great jingle. It wasn't produced well. the The singing was mediocre. It was, but it had a little bit of a hook, and it was it was 
you know, corny. It was a corny jingle. And I think that's that gets in the way sometimes when people think when they hear the word jingle, which is why we always talked about it as a custom musical image and not a jingle, because the jingle gives a, the sound of campy, the sound of goofiness. I don't want to be goofy. I'm a, I'm a professional. It's, so it's a little bit tough. So I think those campy ones can hurt you because that's the perception. Does, now, does it hurt you in the eyes of the client? Meaning like if you present something campy, they're going to say that's not the vibe we're after. Or do you think it's going to hurt the advertiser in the long run if they go with that sort of feel? I, it tends to be more about their their ego and their perception initially, what they think it's going to be. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I've had a lot. Of, I'm never getting a jingle. Won't do it. Okay. You know, to each his own. And uh, because they have a perception of it. And a lot of times it's like water slide world that they have in their head where it sounds goofy and campy. Yeah, see, to me, I, it's so endearing and, and, you know, it's evoking uh, emotion within me from having heard it all growing up in this area for, for many, many years. But, you know, when we're evaluating jingles and talking about them, we're talking about the memorability, uh, you know, how memorable it is specifically. And the campy ones, in my opinion, are really memorable and uh, they have more staying power um, than, than maybe something that's a little more on the serious side that isn't as fun to remember. Now, the subject matter itself uh, really will lend to whether or not you, I think you can get away with it being campy. A water, a world of water slides can get away with it. You probably can't get too campy when you're talking about professional fire restoration because that's a really serious subject about, you know, uh, a family facing tragedy and, and trying to you know, right. come back from it, right? You know, a local, great local jingle that they're still using to this day is that Hippos. I think Hippos is a great jingle. Hippos has it, is that it? Yeah. Yeah. Really simple, but it's just been around for 30, 40 years at least. And it's just now, sticks. Now, we're going to do a future episode about this, so we won't get too far into it. But you mentioned there's some kind of like turnkey companies out there, right? You want to yeah. talk about this? Uh, I'll, maybe I'll let Caitlin talk about this one. Okay. So the you surely know the heavy hitters do it again. Call 1-800-LAW-1010. Right. Martin Hardy and Musati. Yes, Martin yeah. Hardy and Musati. Um, I've heard that jingle probably all throughout my childhood. Um, and I just discovered this week, because I was, I was Googling it, that that particular jingle is used across many different markets for many different law firms. And it sort of blew my mind. Oh, all Caitlin, who let you look behind the, the curtain to see the, the wizard? There, YouTube. <laughs> there is a user on YouTube. It might be you, but they, I obsessively cataloged every single instance of this jingle, both radio and TV, and not only TV, but like, uh, they'll have a little, they're like, oh, this is the widescreen version of the Gary Indiana jingle for, uh, like one eight hundred three three two or whatever. <laughs> Murphy Jones and Johnson. Right law firm and it yeah it absolutely blew my mind that I thought this super cheesy unique local jingle had been sort of shopped around do you know anything about this or that style yeah, there's of a, advertising there's a company out of New Orleans that just deals exclusively with lawyers and they come to town two or three times a year they film Martin Harding and Mazzotti or the Martin's out now, but the, the woman, I can't remember her name at the moment, 
Um, and they film them and they put them in front of the green screen and make them look wacky and then play the jingle. And, you know, the most memorable part about that entire campaign is the jingle because it's mm-hmm. not it's not lawyers standing in front of a green screen, you know, holding a baseball bat or, you know, slip and fall is not that exciting to look at on TV. But what people remember is called the heavy hitters. They do it again. There's one oh, 1-800-LAW-1010. Like, yes. It's like Tom. Tom Francis is the one to see. Call 1-800-833 or uh, the good guys are the way to go. Call 1-800-890 over and over and over again. Just yeah. slight variations. And I had no idea that this was. It was a seeing into a parallel universe where this jingle is used for multiple offers. You've looked into the jingle multiverse. I know. <laughs> Well, John, this has been really, really interesting. We've never had somebody, you know, who is a true industry professional like yourself come on our show and, and pull back the curtain, so to speak, and, and tell us about the back, uh, you know, the back end doings of, of this industry. We really, really appreciate your time tonight. Well, it was fun. You know, when I saw your reach out originally, I was like, oh, that's fun. And I listened to the first show and I was like, wow, that's uh, I never thought somebody would do that. But now <laughs> in this day and age, I'm not surprised at all because I was just listening to a podcast on my way back from. Onianta uh, talking about the first Bad English album from 1989. So hmm. there's something for everybody. And apparently uh, you guys hit a nice little sweet spot there. And it sounds like you're having fun with it. We do have fun. And I hope you'll at some point jump into our back catalog and listen to that water slide world commercial. Um, <laughs> you know, make sure there aren't any kids around because we get a little water slide world. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, to bet. But, you know, listen, listen to it and tell me if maybe I can change your mind about whether or not that's a good jingle, because uh, it's near and dear to my heart. <laughs> Most people our age, we just love that. It's currency. Mm. It's no, listen, it, 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 but it's not just your age. It's, it's older, too. I mean, it's not that's been around a long time. It's yeah, outlasted the, the park, that's for sure. So, <laughs> Well, I think anything would. I don't mm-hmm. know that, that that was the most well-run park. It was a ton of fun. Well, John, thank you again. If, uh, if ever you, um, you know, want to come back on the show, we'd love to have you back. If uh, you have another jingle you'd like us to look at, please send it our way. Um, sure. That's one of the biggest challenges that we have is we can remember jingles all day long, but if we can't get a clean recording um, uh, or any background information on a jingle, it makes it a real challenge. So having you provide context uh, in this case and, and uh, give us something really fun to talk about has been, you know, a real pleasure for us. Good. A lot of fun for me too. I'm glad it was, uh, we were able to pull it off and make it happen. All right, great. Well, thanks again, and uh, we'll be in touch. All right, guys. Okay, well, that was our interview with John Schaefer from Schaefer Media and Marketing. Another thanks to him uh, for, for bringing this jingle to us and, and taking the time uh, on, a, on a busy weekend uh, evening to, to speak with us about the process and, and his involvement in, uh, in creating this. Yeah, it was great. Great conversation with him. We learned a lot about making making a jingle yeah and you know we, we talked a little bit more off the air with john as soon as we ended the interview um and we just continued to interview him i don't know why we didn't just keep recording it but you know i, I spoke a little bit to his point that you don't need to just bankroll a uh, a jingle to make it you know to make it happen you also have to commit long term to to paying for it to stay on the air uh for a long enough time for it to really catch on and, and for people to uh, remember it. Yeah, frequency is huge when it comes to advertising, no matter what kind you're doing. If you're if you're doing print or um, online or whatever, or, or in this case, you know, radio or, or television jingles, 
you've got to do it over and over and over again for people to get that sense of familiarity with it and 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 remember you when the time comes in this case when there's a major fire uh, or or other sort of damage that would call for their services um, that's a very stressful time in somebody's life and if you're at the top of uh, either that client that person that homeowner's list or your insurance agent's list um, you're going to you're going to be remembered and then you're going to win the business or have a really good opportunity to win the business but you know we talked about it uh, off air my insurance agency, I created and produced my own jingle when I first opened a few years ago, Caitlin. It was why you started the business. Yeah. I said, I, (laughs) how am I going to get the opportunity to write a jingle if nobody will hire me? I'm Mm -hmm. like, I'll just start a business that I can then advertise. But you know, I produced it for cheap. It was self-produced. Um, but it came out really good. I love it. I'm very proud of it. Um, and I put it on the radio and it was so expensive to keep going. You know, I think I did it for two months total and I must've blown, you know, I don't know, $4,000 on it. And it was fun paying for my song to be on the radio, mm-hmm. but uh, but it also wasn't very fun to pay for my song to be on the radio. And so I had to give it up. Now, when you want to hear that song, you call the Ferlazzo All-State Agency here in Clifton Park, 518-278-3543. They generously sponsor this podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, and if we put you on hold, if you're lucky enough to be put on hold, uh, you'll hear the jingle that way. That's Aside from that and Googling it, it's really the only two ways you can hear these jingle, this jingle. Because I can't afford to keep it going enough to let it catch on in the way that these other advertisers have committed. So, you know, it was an interesting point he brought up and, and it really hit close to home for me. I mean, it puts into perspective when you hear these jingles, the jingles that out of hundreds of them, the ones that we remember and are still playing after all these years, just like how much money that is uh, from it, what started out as maybe like a jingle that you had made for $5,000 could be, I don't know, times 10 after you factor in media buying over the years for us to be able to remember it today. Yeah. All these jingles that we profiled have spent tens or combined hundreds or millions of dollars, hundreds of thousands or millions even of dollars just to get these into our brains enough for us to even want to talk about them for the most part. Right. So indeed. Yeah, so so it, it, I don't know. Let, let's take a moment to remember all those business owners who took that risk and gave us something interesting to talk about, um, and, rem- and remember them for all these Thank years you. later. Your little, sacrifice is not gone. <laughs> a moment of silence Unnoticed. for all the money spent and all the families that they helped mm-hmm. support uh, in the media uh, world as a result. Yes, actually, this question just came to me, um, Don. Your your father owns a successful local law firm. Did he ever consider a jingle? Did you ever write one for him? <laughs> you ever ask Should a question be? where you know the answer already? Because that's what it sounds like. I mean, I have a guess because I know you, but... So you do or don't know this answer? I don't know the answer. Oh, okay. That's. I have a guess of how it may be. All right. So, yes, my father, um, he, he's basically semi-retired at this point. But, um, you know, uh, Gervin and Ferlazzo is a law firm in the area. And, gosh, maybe 15 years ago, um, if I'm doing my math right, uh, I wrote him a jingle. And, you know, at the time, they were celebrating um, 20 years in, in business. Like, so they hit their 20-year 20 mm-hmm. anniversary. And I wrote him a jingle, unsolicited. I just sent it over. And I, I, I produced it, like, very, very quickly. I didn't even use, like, real recording equipment. I just recorded it into, like, a webcam that I had on my, like, Apple laptop. 
And uh, I gave it to him. I'm like, hey, this is what I was like thinking of for you. Like, it, it's a lot of fun, right? And he was like, yeah, it's great. And at the time, he hosted a radio show, the Gervin and Ferlazzo Law Hour, on a local radio station. And he was like, yeah, we're going to use it on that. I'm like, what? And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're gonna, every time I'm on the air, I'm going to play that to start off the show. So, And I never had the opportunity or uh, or he never told me that I really should re-record it. So for like the next like 15 years, every time he hosted the show, which was mostly every week, um, he would play it on the air. So I have had that jingle on the air. It was more of like a, a theme song in the way mm-hmm. it was used. But the Gervin and Ferlazzo uh, jingle is out there. It's Gervin and Ferlazzo, we're always here for you. And then uh, much like in my own jingle, we mm-hmm. had a moment where the singers in the background would sing the, the phone number. Uh, call four six two oh three hundred. You know, like they would actually sing it in uh-huh. the in the outro of the song, so it's out there. I love it. I wish I could have uh, updated it, but they just ended the run of the television show in two thousand twenty. So, or not the television show, the radio show. Mm-hmm. So there's really no reason. And my, now my father's semi-retired, so he's not as involved in the firm. So there's really no reason for me to go out there and, and redo it and 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 make it sound as good as it. I always wish it should have, but. It was a lot of fun, that's for sure. That was my guess. I'm like, I bet once upon a time you wrote one. I did. But I didn't know. I did um, it for the River Rats. I did it for them, or, you know, for my father's firm. Again, neither were solicited. History of disturbing behavior. <laughs> yes. There's a lot of people who are like shuddering when they mm-hmm. open up like a, a piece of like media mail from Don Ferlazzo. And they're like, oh no, mm-hmm. did he send me a jingle? Oh, he did. Uh, uh, should I play it? I don't want to, but my hand is putting a CD into a CD player. <laughs> And yeah, it's never, ever well received, folks. Right, there's a lot of stuff that rhymes with law. Uh, so it go, the lyrics were, you got a lot that's riding on this. You need to find a firm to trust, a friendly face who understands you. So many people turn to us. Mm-hmm. Hurt on the job or injured on the highway. If you want results, there's only one way. And then the rest you're just going to have to find out yourselves, folks, because I'm not going to sing the whole <laughs> thing. Uh, you know, they're, they do personal injury among many other services. Um, but this one was really geared towards like you know, personal injury uh, litigation. I like the line. You've got a lot riding on this. You do have a lot riding on it and you do need to find a firm to trust. Uh-huh. Um, so anyway, maybe I'll put it in the in the show notes. Yes. <laughs> but only after I completely re-record it so it actually sounds worthy of people uh, want to know yeah people are dying to to hear my rejected jingles (laughs) um all right so back to it though we're talking about professional fire restoration we just heard from john schaefer we got a lot of great background not just about his jingle um which you know he had a hand in starting and uh, as we've heard he he turned it over to a a nashville-based songwriter but um but we also heard a lot about the process but let's get back to the jingle itself um you've already heard it once i'd like to play it again so so we can Give it a fresh listen and uh, and talk about what makes it um, as good as it is. Black smoke, rage and fire. Flood waters rising higher and higher. And when it's over, well, what then? Okay, and we're back. That's a good one, Caitlin. That's a fun one. Now, usually we're profiling like lighthearted family, you know, destinations like Waterside World and mm-hmm. and uh, you know, Catskill Game Farm, and they're they're meant to be campy. 
But this one, more serious subject matter, it called for a little bit more of a serious tone. Yeah, Black's, your house could have burnt to the ground. I guess if your house burnt to the ground, there's nothing professional fire restoration can do for you. But <laughs> uh, if your house has suffered, like somebody could have died. But it's, we still want to call professional fire restoration. Um, they don't. I don't think they do like removal of loved ones after the fact no but i mean like if you had a fire thing like there could be some associated bad circumstances okay with the fire i mean even even if nobody dies as a result of the fire there's still that emotional shock of the place where i call home and live and everything i own and every family memory i have has been devastated you know it's it's been taken away from me so yeah but still they didn't go with home is where the heart is and now your heart is burnt your heart is turned to ashes and you have nowhere to turn Uh, burnt and turned that's a great slant rhyme but go on i know right (laughs) hire me Um, (laughs) which you were definitely angling for in that interview (laughs) i surely was i'm like how does one person maybe enter in when they really like jingles and where would schaefer media be accepting resumes is it Jobs at SchaeferMedia.com or... <laughs> need a demo reel because uh, the person might not have one asking for a friend. Um, but yes, the professional fire restoration didn't go with like the sad, emotional jingle that way. They put together a jingle so where it was a serious subject matter. It's still, it's it's still kind of rocking. Like, it makes you feel confident. They're not going to dwell on the bad feelings. They're going to focus on... The restoration part Yeah, will of it. it ever be the same again mm-hmm. is is how do we restore you back to how you were? Yeah. And but professional fire restoration says, hell yeah, it will be the same again. Gets you out of sticky situations. And yeah. even better than before, because as we know, before your house burned down, you probably weren't taking that great care of it. You know, like the walls probably needed to be repainted. That carpet definitely needed to be replaced. It's probably for the best, honestly, when you think about it. Like, 9 out of 10 people never update their home, and they just wait for a fire to claim the wreckage. Yeah. And then they just they rebuild later. You know? Remodel by flame. <laughs> um, no, it was good. So one thing I noticed, and I only noticed it on our most recent playthrough of the song. Did you hear, like, the cowbell? That was going to be one of my favorite things to notice. That hits three times. It's cleaning up a messy situation. Donk, donk, donk. Yeah, but it was like it was like syncopated or like in triplets or something. It was it was not a traditional rhythm, um, and that's mm-hmm. a conscious choice by by the songwriter or the arranger, probably the same person in this case, um, to do something just very different. Nine out of ten people are not going to notice that being anything other than just more instruments in the song. But oh, we got a cowbell. We got that like yeah. saloon piano pounding ching, kind ching, of. Ching, yes. ching, 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 ching. Yeah. Um, the more I hear it, the more I hear what he was, ta- what John was mentioning was uh, the, the C- the voice is Seeger, um, J- uh, John Seeger. He said Bob Seeger. Bob Seeger, yeah. And I, I have a confession. I have no idea who that is. Um, like that old time of rock and roll. Who's Pete Seeger? Isn't he like a? Folk, I don't know if that's a, a person. I don't know. Are they the same Seeger? Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. That's <laughs> well, anyway, like the voice is that, mm-hmm. but the the instrumentation and like the arrangement of that song is um bruce springsteen yes i hear tambourine you get the piano you've got the female background singers or 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 harmony singers in this Mm -hmm. case um yeah it it freaking rocks you know it does indeed uh 
my town burned partially down a couple years ago because uh, somebody was trying to make a sword in his backyard. Oh, that's right. I've heard about that. And um, I was on the Professional Fire Restoration website, and there's a very famous restaurant uh, that suffered a lot of damage called Smith's, and they were the ones that got Smith's back up and running after, and I think they did a couple more businesses in Did town. we go to Smith's? Did you and Ryan take me and Jamie to Smith's at one point? We ate, like when you first moved to that, to, can we say the town? Oh yeah, well you can. It's Cohoes, New York, and if you Google it, probably the first thing that comes up is like is man. Caitlin's house. Man makes sword burns downtown. <laughs> um, I don't remember. Was there a place called the Black Cat? Yes. Okay, that, we ate there. That's where we took you because an out of town relative of Ryan's had given us a gift certificate sight unseen to that restaurant, and it was quite a bit of money, and it was a very cheap restaurant, and we did not know what to do with it. <laughs> So hey, when in doubt, you're like, when somebody we know is hungry and we have too much money, you call Don and Jamie. I appreciate that. Bring them over. Yeah. I, the black cat, I think, uh, saw its way clear of the smoke damage, but it was black smoke rising higher and higher. Higher and higher. But no, it, the lyrics of this song are great. And, and John mentioned that he kind of kicked off the songwriting process by coming up with the first few lyrics. Uh, they're really effective in that they're expla- they're laying out the problems that their clients might have and you know the, the the big concern is will it ever be the same again and then boom the solution is there professional mm-hmm. fire restoration and then so they say that that melody with with the title of the sponsor and at the very end they say it again professional fire restoration it's like yeah great like this is what you're supposed to do you only had 30 seconds, and you were able to say the sponsor's name twice with the same musical lick in that time without it sounding crowded. So, like, mission accomplished in, in that regard. And he didn't bring this up with John, but I feel like the good the good jingles, there's jingles, and then there are songs. And this is definitely a song, mm. but it's done that smart thing where you can play the whole song, or you can just play the last, like, five seconds and it's still just as effective yeah he did talk about how you know some of his uh, some advertisers that he's worked with who came in with an existing jingle he found it very difficult to work with that existing jingle with other ad campaigns Mm -hmm. Um, this one does allow for that kind of tag ending to be tagged onto other um, you know to, to other ads and quite honestly I don't remember the full version of this song but I do remember that tag so it is effective in that usage where they're like, hey, we can have a whole, you know, 24 or 25 second commercial where we're talking about professional fires, restorations, uh, you know, sponsorships of youth sports in the community or whatever. And then at the end, we can throw that tag on and that's going to bring it all back and, and have it's going to be a common thing among all the different ads that they have. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's definitely in use to this day. Um, I think it's probably pretty typical, though, to release the whole version of the commercial and then utilize the shortened version of it in future ad campaigns, especially, you know, down the road. Yeah, it's a good one. I've been, uh, I've been singing this one around the house when I, when I clean up after my pet, I say professional rabbit restoration, cleaning up a rabbit situation <laughs> when it's time to do the litter box. Restoration and situation. Good rhyme. There's a lot of syllables in there to to rhyme with, and and they got most of them. Restoration situation. A plus. Yeah, for sure. 
Um, so yeah, this is a, this is one of the good ones that you know doesn't necessarily tug at the heartstrings all that much, um, other than it, it addresses a sticky situation. Mm-hmm. But it's it doesn't have the benefit of like, hey, this is that water park that you loved as a kid, um, or this is that animal game farm mm-hmm. where you turned a blind eye to animal abuse and just really enjoyed <laughs> you know shoving uh pellets of food from a coin dispenser into a goat's face like it, yeah. it doesn't have that benefit um but i i think you know as it continues if they continue to stick with it as john says you have to you need that frequency mm-hmm. um you know it'll it'll go down as is a very memorable jingle um you know as, as long as they keep it on the air you don't want to call them but if uh if you did have black smoke rising higher and higher, the first name in your head would be professional fire restoration. Absolutely. Um, so that's a good one. So, so Caitlin, we're coming to the end here, though, of our of our first season. Any you know, any value to looking back at your favorite memories from season one here? Oh man, my I'm trying to think of the episode where I felt we turned the corner. Hmm. Did we ever turn the corner? <laughs> Maybe it was Water Slide World. Maybe it was one before uh, where we stopped looking at our notes so much. Or Might have been episode two. Like the structure was like, okay, we got it. We can just talk about jingles now like humans. Uh, well, so episode one was Rotolo's, and that's what got us started mm-hmm. because you found it online. And, and didn't you say you had found like a, a podcast that profiled the, the search for that lead singer? Search for Rotolo's, yes. Yeah. So that was a great one, um, but we were just like, "This is cool. We want to talk about it. Let's let's record." And I remember we we showed up at you know, at the location where we record, which happens to be mm-hmm. you know my office, and like we didn't know how to plug in the equipment. We couldn't get anything working, so we just recorded it straight up into the laptop. So that's why season one does not have the best audio quality, uh, not season one, episode one, I should mm-hmm. say. Um, but after that, I remember like I we had it mapped out. We had a structure. It was like. We're going to talk about three things that you liked and three things that I liked and three things that you hated and would change and three things like, and it was really structural. And I give you credit for, for being like, Hey Don, what if we just didn't really worry about the format? Cause I stopped all paying much? attention to the rules. <laughs> yeah. That's, that is how you said it. You were just like, Oh, were there rules? I forgot. I'm like, I think Don and I might have creative differences. <laughs> <laughs> Luckily, uh, I also agreed that the rules uh, needed to be broken, and uh, and we've had a lot of fun with it. We have indeed. We are looking forward to many more jingles in the future. Um, but the jingle hunt is a tough hunt. So send us, send us jingles you'd like us to talk about. Yeah, finding the jingle itself continues to be the challenge because anybody can come to us and say, "Hey, we want to hear you profile this jingle." Uh, great. Do you have a recording of it? No. Do you know how I can find one? No. Is the business still open where I can reach out to them? No. Like that that's a real challenge, folks. So finding something that at least is on YouTube is a great first step in getting us to uh to profile that jingle. Um, you know, if it's memorable, it usually is on YouTube, but there's definitely some out there that just don't exist yet, or at least don't exist in a um a digital form. And that's that's you know, when I reached out to John, I was looking for a jingle. And he said, You're probably not gonna find that. It predates uh, when everybody went digital and they no longer use that, so they never digitized it, you're never going to find that jingle. But makes me sad. But he did give us a lead on that one, Cotton Hill uh, Studios, okay. which is a, a still active uh, recording studio in the Albany area, um, where I've actually done some recording because um, I'm that cool. Because mm-hmm. uh, you can pay them and they'll let you come in and record. Um, 
I'm going to reach out to them and maybe we'll find that jingle and, and that will be part of season two. I would stay tuned. Stay tuned indeed. Now, I don't know if it's tradition to tell people what to expect in season two, but we do have a podcast picked out for season two, episode one, don't we, Caitlin? We do. Um, and Tell me about the logo. Yes, this logo <laughs> is for... We're going back. We're going back to the start. And we're talking about some delicious, delicious food. Um, but more than the food, it's an experience mm. because we'll be talking about the Koto experience at Koto's Japanese restaurant. Yes, because even though the lick, <laughs> the the lyrics say it's the Koto experience, but it's not called the Koto experience. No, <laughs> it's just called Koto's or Koto. Or Koto. Is it Koto's? Does Koto own it? I think it's just Koto. Koto. Koto full stop. <laughs> but don't they say in the jingle, Koto's? I don't think there's an S on there. Well, see, this. these are the answers that you can expect in season mm-hmm. two, people. You know, if you're like, does it have an S? You want to know, but you don't want to Google it? Just stay subscribed to us. We're available wherever you get your podcast. Um, that's on Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, uh, Spotify, SoundCloud is where we host it out of, so you can always go straight to the source if you want to listen to it. Um, all of these have free apps, or you know, just pay attention to our Facebook page. Welcome to the Jingle Pod on Facebook. Uh, we're we're always posting it on there. Um, so with that, I think we should respectfully say goodbye to season one, and uh, we'll get ready for season two here. Bye bye. See you real soon. So I'm Don Ferlazzo. And I'm Caitlin Kay. And this has been season one of Welcome, Welcome to, to the, the Jingle. Jingle. Bye for now. Bye. The Koto Experience. The Koto Experience.